Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman. And this is Paige Dempster. And today, we're going to talk about nosebleeds and skunk cabbage. I'll be your researcher today, and Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. Um, I want to do a quick medical disclaimer before we get started, which is this episode, as all episodes, are entertainment and educational and this should not be taken as medical advice. We are not medical doctors. Hey, Paige. Hi. Great start. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm more nervous now than excited from the medical disclaimer. Well, it's not going to get, like, super graphic or anything. It's just that, like, if you, you know, if you think you might be having an emergency, like, go talk to a medical doctor, not us. Okay, good. I didn't want another repeat of the chainsaw episode. Yeah, it's not going to be quite like that. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, we're going to talk about nosebleeds. All right. I saw that you put in our shared doc that you had a bunch of questions about nosebleeds, and so that's what we're going to address today. I do, and there was actually a quick story that inspired it. I was sitting at this very desk one day, typing away, And then I like scratch my nose and then suddenly I literally start gushing blood. Like I'm not talking like the drizzle. I'm talking like actual gushing. Well, um, was it, were you like picking your nose? Is that how it went down? No, I like rubbed it with the side of my hand Uh and like on the tippy tip. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it just went whoosh. I was like, what? Did I injure myself? Yeah, I guess you did injure yourself. Well, I mean, it ended up going away, but that's what prompted the question, because I am a person that's actually very prone to nosebleeds. Yeah, my first question was going to be what causes nosebleeds, and I was going to ask you if you ever get them, and I knew the answer was yes, but our audience may not, so. I get them maybe, like, once a week. Wow, that's actually, like, more than I thought. I am extremely prone to nosebleeds. I just never say anything. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it happen a few times, but, like... It's been, like, sporadic. Well, yeah, because it just, like, happens. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then, like, you know, go get a tissue and then do all the nosebleed steps. And then the best part when you're done and you're positive you're done is, like, blowing your nose and then, like, whoosh. I cannot relate. I've actually never had a real nosebleed before. Oh, we can fix that. Yeah, the the closest I've ever gotten was... um, freshman year of college I was on the phone with my then boyfriend and um switched positions from how I was sitting and as I was doing so I I don't know I accidentally like scratched the inside of my nose like I don't even understand how it happened and next thing I know like I was bleeding everywhere that's the closest I've ever been 
it was not an organic nosebleed. It was like due to like it was like, oh, I actually cut myself and the cut was bleeding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't get those. Yeah. So um what do you think causes nosebleeds? I don't really know. I maybe it's like there's veins and like blood vessels in your nose. And it's just like if you rub your nose the wrong way, they burst and then the dams they overflow hold on there's ants oh no get the raid if you want to learn more about ants go listen to our ants and textbook episode here and i say that as if i can leave a link i got one i don't know where the other one went there were oh they were traveling as a couple yes (laughs) a tale of two lovers um, okay, so yeah, you're really close to right. Um, some of the causes, like basically the most common cause is dry air. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the membranes dry out, which causes crusting in the nose. And if you scratch or pick, it can cause bleeding. Ew, crusting. Yeah, crusting. <laughs> <laughs> My list is non-exhaustive, but can you name some other causes? Um trauma you know like to your nose some nose trauma it's been through a lot just winter in general I feel like the cold and the dryness Mm, perhaps allergies and bruising yeah also antihistamines decongestants frequent nose blowing Um, A foreign object in the nose, uh, allergic reaction, like you said, injury, like you said, Um, sneezing, like sneezing repeatedly, high blood pressure, and uh, bleeding disorders. There are some other causes, but those are some big ones. Oh, great. So what are the types of nosebleeds, and can you describe them? Um, Well, like how you had, where it's like you just scratch, and then it gets a cut, and the cut bleeds. Um, then there's like, there was like the fruit gusher that I had. Um, then there's just like your typical run of the mill nosebleed where suddenly like it just happens perhaps because the air is dry. I don't know if they have specific names. Um, so I'm just going to go with what I have. Time to get rebutted. Okay. Okay. There are two main types of nosebleeds. Um, there's an anterior nosebleed and a posterior nosebleed. And uh, an anterior nosebleed is when blood vessels in the front of the nose bleed, and a posterior nosebleed is when the when you bleed at the deepest part of the nose, like at the back. Okay. Are posterior nosebleeds dangerous? I feel like they're more dangerous than the anterior ones. Yes. Yes, you're right. Do okay. you know why? Do you know why? I. I feel like I should know the answer to this. Like, I feel like it's common sense. Oh, get him. Oh, it's go time. Did you get him? (laughs) Yeah. Both the lovers are dead. Unless it was a different one. I don't know. No, keep an eye out. Yeah. Uh, What was I saying? Okay, so I feel like it should be common sense. Perhaps, like, because it's deeper within, there's more bits there that can get damaged, which leads to more bleeding and like I don't know there's not a lot of blood vessels in the anterior part of your nose I feel like 
feel like the posterior feel like it's got more blood vessels the reason that the that the posterior nosebleeds are more dangerous is because um the blood flows down the back of the throat oh i hate when that happens right so like when you have an anterior nosebleed it's bleeding at the front of the nose and it it can go down your throat but a posterior nosebleed it's bleeding specifically from the back of the nose so it's going directly down yeah that's that was happening when I was fruit gushering yeah so we're gonna get back to that so why are nosebleeds more frequent in the winter because the air is drier yeah, so what it is is you spend more time in artificially heated air, which is dry. Okay. What's the best way to get rid of nosebleeds? Start with anterior. Okay. Um, in general, I know you're not supposed to tip your nose, your face all the way back because then it goes down your throat and also it won't stop as quickly. For anterior nosebleeds, I think you're supposed to pinch the bridge of your nose and tilt your head back 45 degrees. Okay, time to get rebutted again. Really? Okay, so you're you're right with an anterior. You are not supposed to put your head back. That is right. What you should do is pinch the bridge of your nose shut or like the the soft part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and lean forward for 10 minutes. Lean forward. Lean forward, yeah. Oh, why? Because if you tilt your head back, you could swallow the blood. Mm. which could bother your stomach wait so i does your own blood bother your stomach it can if you swallow too much of it how much is too much i guess i guess it depends on the person that's so funny i don't know why i think that's so funny but i don't know is. yeah you definitely want to close your nose shut and tilt forward never back got it yep and apply ice if you want Ooh, fun now, um, for a posterior, you said that you should tilt your head. I think 45 degrees back is the, like, the magic number. No, you should never tilt your head back when you have a nosebleed. Oh, God forbid I swallow my own juices. Well, it could bother you, but um, if you think you have a posterior nosebleed, you should go to the emergency room. <laughs> and the way you can tell potentially is if the nose if you can't get the nosebleed to stop so like if you are tilting your head forward um pinching your nose shut for 10 minutes at a time applying ice and all that and like it's just not stopping go to the emergency room because a posterior nosebleed can be really dangerous oh geez yeah maybe maybe i should have done that i mean i was okay did you lose like a lot of blood? like how long were you bleeding like 15 minutes oh that's okay Oh, I is mean, it? Okay. If it was like a massive amount of blood and like you started to get like lightheaded and that kind of thing, like, yes, go to the ER. I used a lot of tissues because like he was, he was going. But did you feel okay? Like, I was like, maybe I should like drink some juice or something because like I looked at the massacre that had happened. I was like, that seems like more blood than usual. Yeah. If it was only 15 minutes and you otherwise felt okay, like, it probably was not a posterior nosebleed and it might have it might have been and it might have just stopped on your own which can happen yeah it was just so weird because it was like gushing blood and I'm sorry if this is making anyone squeamish but I think it's really cool I do too but it's like I've never had a gushing nosebleed before 
Oh, and related, um, don't ever put a tampon up your nose. I feel like that's just common sense. Well, like to a lot of people, it makes sense to do it for a nosebleed because, you know, you stick it up there, it absorbs the blood. Like, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah, but, you know, you, you just, we have to draw a line somewhere. You shouldn't do that because it increases the amount of blood. Yeah, and I feel like most people don't have nostrils the size of tampons comfortably. That's true. So it's like you're widening the canal for blood to come through that's true so um what is cauterization oh is that when you like heat seal a cut or something you're really close in the context of nosebleeds it's when a doctor burns your blood vessels in the nose with either a heating device or silver nitrate and this removes the tissue and so yeah it sounds really intense but (laughs) <laughs> it just took like a 180 degree turn what does a balloon catheter do <laughs> oh i hope this isn't right but you stick it in your nose and then it inflates yeah i'm pretty sure that's what it does oh why why do we need balloon catheters because it applies pressure to the blood vessels and can make it stop bleeding Oh, imagine sticking that, like, you know where, like, a regular catheter goes? Yeah. Imagine sticking a blue catheter in there. I'd rather not. <laughs> I've never had a catheter placed well, before. like, you know where, like, they put it in guys, right? They put it in the pee pee hole? Yeah, the, yeah, the urethra. Yeah, uh, one, how big do they inflate? How much urethral trauma can we cause with a balloon catheter? What? <laughs> <laughs> has anyone has the doctor like ever accidentally used a balloon catheter and like press the catheterized button and it starts inflating and they're like oh god <laughs> like they I feel like to... that's a thing I, I like the what? more you like, talk about it the more I'm pretty sure that there's like a medical reason to do that well I mean maybe like there's a kidney stone stuck in there and they gotta like inflate it inflate like <laughs> it makes sense if you think about it I'm just like it does I just have no idea if this is actually a thing (laughs) what if it ruptures though it's a thing oh yeah then you got a whole other problem on your hands oh no can you think just sew it shut they have to like cut your dick open I know that that's a thing like I've definitely heard of them like slicing it open for various reasons (laughs) like lengthwise like that yeah I made it as bad as the chainsaw episode (laughs) right yeah you did you did (laughs) i didn't mean to it's just this is this is how i get questions for rapid fire my brain just goes on a walk and then i just have to write everything down it's great how can you prevent nosebleeds i okay i bet in the winter when you're when the air is dry because of the artificial heat you should use a humidifier Mm -hmm. that's the best way to do it that i've heard of um you could also not get punched in the face. Um, you could also not aggressively scratch your nose. And not stick a balloon catheter up your nose. Yeah, good. So use a humidifier. Don't pick your nose. Um, limit aspirin intake. Use antihistamines and decongestants in moderation. 
and you can use saline spray for moisture. Oh, okay. Has anyone ever died from a nosebleed? At first, like when we first started this episode, I didn't think so. But now that you mention the posterior nosebleeds, I think someone has. Yes. Okay. A 47-year-old man from uh, Gravesend, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Gravesend, Kentucky, uh, died because of that in 2011 because his blood asphyxiated him. Oh my god. He choked on his own blood. Yes. If you think you have a posterior nosebleed and you can't get it to stop, go to the emergency room. Good lord. Okay. Like, if that blood starts gushing and it don't stop gushing, go to the emergency room. How hard do you need to be punched to get a nosebleed? Oh, excellent. This is one of the questions that I had in there. I think you're going to be very disappointed by the answer. Is this just is this just like a little bop? Is that all it takes? It really just depends. Okay, so if you get punched and you start bleeding, the blood can be indicative of a nosebleed or a skull fracture or even internal bleeding. But in terms of how hard you need to be punched, it just depends on you and I guess like the size of the hand and like where they punch, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's like one answer for this. Results inconclusive. Right. Okay. And now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Do you get frequent nosebleeds? Do you just not know how to get them to stop? Then you need the at-home cauterization kit. Simply open the box, pull out the heating mechanism, turn it on, and go burn, burn right up your nose. Flame throw those blood vessels right out, and the bleeding will stop in no time. You can even use it to kill pests. The at-home cauterization kit, in stores tomorrow. Brought to you by the American Citrus Council. You ready? Yes. When are you going to do rapid fire? It's time for rapid fire. You asked for it. So this is how this is going to work. I'm going to give Rachel one minute to answer as many questions as possible. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it right. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it wrong. Ready? Ready. Did Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles come first? Cocoa Pebbles. Does bar soap have wax in it? Sometimes. Name one other country that uses the imperial system. New Zealand. What does the I in iPhone stand for? Internal. Uh, is there any difference between mayo and aioli? Uh, not exactly. Yes or no? No. What part of the turkey does turkey bacon come from? The breast? When was the term yeehaw coined? 1847. What's one ingredient in red food dye? Carmine. How many episodes of SpongeBob are there as of this recording? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> 10 a thousand, seconds. 1052. Is it legal to keep a wolf as a pet in New Jersey? Yes. How many towns are in the United States? 20,000. Too late. I'm not counting it. You get okay. it next time. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. Hi. Hello. So we talked about noses in the first part, and now it's only fitting that we talk about skunk cabbages. Okay, now I have a quick question about this. Okay. 
Is skunk cabbage a cruciferous vegetable? I don't think so. Okay, because since the beginning of time, we've had just in our topics folder or topic stock cruciferous vegetables as a topic, and neither of us has covered it yet. It's been there since like July. I know, I know. I notice it every <laughs> time, and I never know it's exactly literally, what to do with it. It's literally the top of the list. I don't think skunk cabbages are cruciferous vegetables. That never came up. And I didn't specifically search for that. Okay. Okay. What's a skunk cabbage? Is it just a type of stinky cabbage? I mean, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a slightly stinkier cabbage. So, quote, skunk cabbage is a perennial wildflower that grows in swampy, wet areas of forest lands. Ew. Like cattails. Yeah, like cattails. Have you ever seen a skunk cabbage? No, I know literally nothing about skunk cabbages. Well, I can tell you that they grow where we grew up. Oh, okay. So you probably have seen them and just not realized it. Oh, interesting. Where else does skunk cabbage grow? Um, And this is slightly a trick question. Do they only grow in New Jersey? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, you said swampy foresty areas so i'm guessing most of the northeast of the united states as well as some parts of europe and some parts of australia okay so you're not totally wrong so the skunk cabbage that we're talking about grows throughout canada and you're right like the northeast up and down the coast uh down to about north carolina Hmm. okay which is a little bit further south than i would have expected but i mean it does get cold there so yeah, and like, you know, Outer Banks, plenty of swamp to grow in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was a trick question because there's a very closely related plant called the Western Skunk Cabbage. Oh. And it grows on the West Coast and general Northwestern United States. Oh. It just, like, it's very similar. It's just like a different color, like the bulb of it. The skunk cabbage discourse. It's like how if you go to the West Coast, sticks of butter are a different size than on the East Coast. It's like how if you go to Southern Jersey, it's called pork roll instead of Taylor ham. I see the difference there as, see, calling it just pork roll is is wrong. It's Taylor ham. But like having different sticks of butter, it's just a different unit of measurement. Okay, you did make a few southern New Jerseyans if they are listening very upset just now it is Taylor Ham case closed oh my god we are going to get shut down (laughs) yep when does skunk cabbage sprout if so it's a perennial so what time of year does it does it come up okay um I think it comes out in March You're not too far off. Yeah, it starts to sprout in very early spring. So it could be like mid to late February, early March. Yeah. Hmm. Except February isn't spring. It's not. But. Hmm. February is winter. Well, yes. But it's right at the end of winter. And the earth is not perfect like the earth doesn't care that we have this construction of time 
was it you or Liz that was like your birthday is in winter? Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is the same principle. <laughs> well, your birthday is definitely in winter. Well, wait, it's no, it's not. not. It's not. It's in autumn. It's in autumn. I, that must have, no, I think that must have been Liz. Okay, my cousin, our friend Liz, likes to say that my birthday, December seventh, Pearl Harbor days in winter when it's it is not. not. It's autumn. It's fall. Not according to Liz. Liz, if you're listening to this, I love you. F- you. Liz, if you're listening to this, I love you. December 7th is in fall. So now that we are getting back to talking about uh, late winter versus early spring, because you might agree that there's like a little bit of overlap there. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. What's interesting about the chemistry of a skunk cabbage? Oh, is yeah. it is it like is it like slightly acidic or something? Does it perhaps have natural antifreeze in its veins? Kind of. So I was okay. really excited when I read about this because I didn't know about it. Um, skunk cabbages produce its own heat. What? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't really understand the chemistry behind it, but I do know that the plant creates its own heat. Oh. It emits its own energy. Whack. I love it. I love it too. How warm can a skunk cabbage get to be on its own? Huh. Like regardless of the external temperature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it has to be over 32 degrees because it has to make sure it doesn't freeze. I 32 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm sorry. I'm going to say 34 degrees Fahrenheit. A skunk cabbage can heat itself up to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my god, really? Really. You can just like, if it's cold out and it's the end of February, you can just stick two of those in your gloves and be okay. You could. Get hot packs, my god. I know, nature's hot packs. Nature's hot packs. (laughs) What happens when it produces its heat though? Mm, it probably costs a lot of energy to do that so maybe it isn't able to grow as well because it lost a lot of energy what happens is so skunk cabbages are like one of the very first plants to sprout in the season like Mm. after winter so like when it sprouts in when it first sprouts in very early spring it usually melts the snow around it Oh, that's funny. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I'm like uh, fascinated by this. Yeah, that's really cool. I know. Um, where does skunk cabbage get its name from? Is it because he's stinky? Yes. When the leaves get damaged, it gives off a skunk or rotting meat smell. Oh, like a stink bug. Right. Oh. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Much like denial. Where the hell did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Psychology. Great. Okay. Should you grow skunk cabbages in your garden? I don't see why not. I think it's a good idea. Why do you think it's a good idea? Well, because especially if it's like the beginning of the swing, swing, spring, and say, for example, there's a second frost, the skunk cabbage can protect your other plants from dying off from the cold. And I mean, can you eat a skunk cabbage? We'll get to that. 
Okay, well, if they're edible, I'm sure they're lovely in a soup. I really like your hypothesis about why you should grow it in your garden, but the real reason is because it attracts bees, butterflies, and other oh, important yeah. pollinators. I am going to grow skunk cabbage. I love honeybees. And um, they potentially repel other mammals that try to eat your garden. Like deer. Like deer, potentially. It might stop them. I hope it does. But bears eat them. Oh, well, I mean, a bear won't eat my tulips, so. We had some lovely tulips in our front yard. There were yeah. five of them. They had three days of glory before like, a deer just walked up and chopped all their heads off, and I'm so upset. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Did you know that um, wild deer love to eat wild marijuana? Oh, are they just, do they get high off of it? I don't think so, but like, one of the reasons you basically never see marijuana growing in the wild is because deer go crazy for it so they just eat it immediately you know i used to really like deer but the more i learn about them the more i'm starting to dislike them like how the white deer, the white-tailed deer population wiped out all the wolves in wyoming or vice versa and now we need more wolves in wyoming to combat all the white-tailed deer but didn't humans have something to do with that Humans also wiped out like 90% of the wolf population in Wyoming, and I think they want to do it again. I read an article about that, but that is a story for another time. Mm, yes, okay. So you asked me if skunk cabbage is safe to eat. The short answer is no. Dang it. And you shouldn't give it to your pets either. I mean, that feels like a given. Yeah, so, like, if you have, like, a dog that you let run around your garden or, or a cat, like, don't grow skunk cabbage. Or a bun. Yeah, I don't know how rabbits react to it. Or, like, also, like, if you have a toddler running around outside, like, maybe don't grow skunk cabbage. Um, Got it. But rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> okay. What instances is it safe to eat? Oh, um, perhaps if you cook the living daylights out of it? Kind of. So there's two answers to this. Um, indigenous Americans figured out a way to use it medicinally. Oh. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure however they did it, it was safe. Because um, otherwise they would have died. And so they would have stopped using it. Um, I don't know exactly what they did to it to make it safe. And also young roots, leaves, and stalks can be boiled and eaten. But like, it, it seems kind of risky to me. Like, how young? Like, when, do you, when does it cross the threshold? Like, I don't know. Like, it's not a risk that I would take. Consume with caution slash don't. Yeah, I just like, if I were you, again, uh, we are not medical doctors, but like, I would not recommend eating it unless you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. What types of roots do skunk cabbages have? And I don't expect you to know this, but I'm asking was, it anyway. I was going to say, I, don't, I didn't know that there were different types of roots. There are. Can I have a hint? Um, what happens when uh, you're pregnant and like, you're, you kind of go into labor. Um, your water breaks. That is true. That is a thing that happens. Um, con you contract. Are they contraction uh -huh. roots? Contractile. Contractile. Mm -hmm. And what does contractile mean? Does it mean they can suck them back in at will? 
kind of so the roots pull the stem of the plant uh deep into the ground so it stays underground so all you see is like the flower and like the leaves you don't see the stem wild i know so that about does it for this episode of research rebuttal podcast you can find us on social media on twitter at research rebut and on instagram and facebook at research rebuttal podcast i hope you had a really good mother's day excuse the bun yeah excuse the bun you can email us topic suggestions at research rebuttal podcast at gmail.com and um tell us about your nosebleeds and have you ever uh warmed your hands by touching a skunk cabbage i want to know have you ever eaten skunk cabbage and please tell us how you live to tell the tale yeah please i really want to know and um i noticed that we have some european listeners so uh hello sweden hello sweden. poland yes poland and hello new listeners and returning listeners you could do us a solid by giving us a five star rating and review um, it would really help us get into other people's algorithms. And we all love a good algorithm. Mm-hmm. And American Citrus Council, give me your money. We deserve it at this point. Yes, we deserve it. God only knows what the sponsor was this week. I didn't even listen to it. Yeah. So, bye. Bye. Can't wait to hear whatever that ad was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.